A bloodbath none was prepared for. June the 22nd, 2010. Fortune favours the brave, or so George Osborne, the new Chancellor of the Exchequer, and the coalition government must hope. For brave he has surely been. He has announced a dramatic fiscal tightening, though the gory details are to be revealed in the spending review to be completed by October. Yet what he has already outlined is a savage budget. The government must now win the argument that this tightening was essential. If public sector unrest and a weakening economy bite hard over the next few years, the bravery is going to look like rashness. Yes, there is much in the new dispensation to like, not least the return to the plain old red book unadorned by the phraseology of the public relations industry. Democracy is change without revolution, so it was also good to see the burial of Gordon Brown's now discredited golden rule, which, noted Mr Osborne, the government is set to miss in this cycle by £485 billion. As he rightly noted, and I quote, past prudence was an excuse for future irresponsibility, end of quote. The new Office for Budget Responsibility looks a genuine improvement, though it may soon manage to discredit itself too. Forecasting is an uncertain business. Yet this change is surely easier to defend than the massive upheaval about to fall on financial regulation through the abolition of Mr Brown's Financial Services Authority. The core of this budget lies in the plan for extra fiscal tightening. Here are some relevant figures for what lies ahead. A decline in public sector net borrowing of 9.9% of gross domestic product from 11% in 2009-10 to 1.1% in 2015-16. A fall in the current fiscal deficit of 7.5% of GDP to just zero in 2015-16. A decline in cyclically adjusted net borrowing of 8.4% of GDP to 0.3% in 2015-16 and a shift in the cyclically adjusted current balance of 6.1% of GDP to a surplus of 0.8% in 2015-16. What does this mean? It means, quite simply, tightening until the pips squeak. Structural reductions in public net borrowing will average 1.4% a year, unquestionably an impressive headwind against growth. This is also a sizable tightening against the plans of the previous government. On the basis of the forecast of the Office for Budget Responsibility, cyclically adjusted net borrowing and the cyclically adjusted current budget will be close to 2% of GDP smaller in 2014-15 than previously forecast. As a result, net debt is now expected to peak at 70% of GDP in 2013-14. So how will this tightening be achieved? Quite simply, the budget announces an additional £40 billion in spending and tax decisions, £8 billion in tax and £32 billion in spending by 2014-15, of which £11 billion are specific measures on welfare. In all, discretionary fiscal tightening will now amount to the massive total of £113 billion by 2014-15, 74% of this in lower spending and the rest in higher tax. Some quite controversial measures were also given on Tuesday. 
notably the rise in value-added tax to 20% and the cuts in a range of benefits. But the burden of the cuts remains to be revealed in the forthcoming spending round. As the Chancellor put it laconically, once the commitment to financing real increases in spending on the National Health Service and protecting aid obligations are allowed for, and I quote, the budget figures imply that other departments will face an average real cut of around 25% over four years, end of quote. The Chancellor made much of the government's commitment to transparency, but nothing in the election campaign prepared the British public for such a bloodbath. The scale of the adjustment is also indicated by the fact that total managed expenditure is forecast to collapse from 47.5% of GDP in 2009-10 to just 39.8% in 2015-16, while receipts are merely to rise from 36.6% of GDP to 38.7%. The two-year freeze in public sector pay will not take the government far along this road. Massive public sector job losses lie ahead. Given the squeeze being imposed, nominal pay cuts will be required if services are to be maintained in any reasonable shape. The Chancellor stated boldly that, I quote, we are a progressive alliance governing in the national interest, end of quote. One has to admire his nerve since the evidence provided in the budget provides only partial support for this view. The adverse impact on the poorest 10% is harsher than on most richer groups, even in 2012-13, and this may worsen thereafter. But some of the measures, though modest in their impact, are imaginative. The temporary raising of thresholds for national insurance contributions, for example. The adjustment in the capital gains tax for higher rate taxpayers to 28% is politically shrewd. Though the absence of indexation remains a scandal, this is taxation of inflation. I quite like the idea of the levy on banks as a crude way of internalising the costs of excessively large balance sheets. Competition among governments to lower corporation tax rates is harder to defend. The UK's reductions will no doubt trigger further cuts elsewhere, to which the UK will then feel forced to respond. Yet the core of this budget lies in two gigantic gambles. The first is that the government can manage the public relations of its grinding war on spending. This is going to be brutal. To defeat the opposition, it will have to carry an unprepared public opinion. In particular, the government must persuade the public that the overall balance of these changes is fair in the teeth of what will surely be a rejuvenated Labour Party. The second gamble is over the impact of such a fiscal tightening on GDP. The Office for Budget Responsibility forecasts growth of 1.2% this year, 2.3% in 2011 and 2.8% in 2012. This includes powerful contributions from business investment and net exports. In 2012, for example, business investment and net exports are forecast to generate 1 and 0.9 percentage points of growth, respectively. Thus, the government must not only hope that domestic private spending is little affected by the squeeze, but that spending on UK exports is little affected by the fiscal squeezes it has encouraged other governments to undertake. The Bank of England must also play a crucial role with low interest rates and even more quantitative easing in the years ahead. Massive fiscal tightening was ultimately inevitable. 
but perhaps only such a young government, in age and in time in office, would gamble so much on such a fast adjustment so early in its life. As a citizen of the UK, I hope it pulls it off. Maybe its sense that the UK could not get away with a measured approach is right. We will now never know. But this gamble has now defined the government. If it is seen to have failed, it will be finished.' 